All right. Well, I am sitting here with uh, one of one of the voices that's probably shaped my ministry more than any other. So I'm, I'm thankful for this time to be with uh, Alan Hirsch. Thanks for joining us today. It's great to be with you, Bobby, and be with the, the group. Um, I wish I could be there in, in physically, but I, I, I'm stuck here in Australia at the moment. Yeah, who, who would have thought when we talked about it months ago that it was still going to be where we're at? But thank you. Thank you for making yeah. time for this for this interview today. Really appreciate you. Um, well, I was. I, I, first of all, I'm excited that you guys are doing a re-release of Re Jesus, because I think that um, that book you wrote with Michael Frost kind of created a lot of space for people to rethink mission, rethink ministry, rethink discipleship. Um what, what do you think, what are you hoping people will see in it in 2022 that um, 20 years ago that you weren't thinking about and now you are? Yeah, it's interesting. So Read Jesus, um, it's, it's, um, I'm sorry, the book is basically about recalibrating the church and discipleship on along the lines of Jesus and taking Jesus um, very seriously as the absolute center and archetype of, of Christian faith. Um, and we wrote it, um, gosh, uh, yes, we were almost 20 years ago. And uh, um, it came out in a time, actually, uh, obviously, like I, I was overzealous at the time. I produced about five books in about one and a half years. I don't know how I did it. But <laughs> it's just downright stupid, actually. But, uh, but I did do that. And stupid because, you know, even if people really, really liked me as an author, they're going to buy five books and read it. And the problem is that the message got lost. And um, so it's kind of languished on the side. And I've always felt the significance of this and and have always felt that, that the you know, calib- recalibrating the church to Jesus is critically important. And, um, um, and so I actually think in a strange way, we wrote it for this time uh, in a time when, uh, gosh, uh, particularly in the Northern Hemisphere, particularly if I might say North America, I was been part of the church here for a very long time. Um, you know, we're finding that the church, you know, doesn't quite look, act, sound, and think like Jesus terribly much at the moment. And uh, that's a problem because, my gosh, if the church doesn't look, act, sound, think like Jesus, is it the church? Mm-hmm. It's, it's exposed um, things in us, which I think, you know, are, are very uh, deep and, and a problem in our spirituality and our, our, our center. Um, yeah. Jesus is not expressed legitimately in the life of a community that claims him as Lord and Savior. There's something pro- problem in that. So I think, you know, we, you know, that, so the book is very current now. Yeah. Well, I think what we saw throughout the COVID pandemic was this, it was, it was an apocalypse. It was an unveiling of the center of the church. Absolutely. And, and what, what we saw, I don't think pleased anyone. I think looking at the response of the church, particularly here in America, but in the West as a whole, um, you saw this very unchristlike character as, as the suffering, the minor amount of suffering that came with um, the inconveniences of COVID. It revealed that the church didn't look like the suffering servant. It didn't look like um, who Jesus was. I, I'd love to dive into that. What do you... As we're looking towards the, we're talking about the rebuilding of the church for the next generation at the City Network Conference. What do you think are the threats to the Western church that are going to keep us back from seeing the movemental forces we're trying to hope to to stoke right now? 
Also, Bobby, the, uh, as you've mentioned, I think probably the singular one that will stop us from being what God intended is the Jesus, re-Jesus factor. Um, I cannot think of something more important than that. Is uh, Otherwise, we get captive to ideological uh, issues on either left or right or whatever. We give our, our passion and our, our hearts to that which is not of the Lord, and they become idols and, and incredibly dangerous. And I think as that's exposed us, as you said, we're living in a revelatory moment. It's apocalyptic. And, um, and apocalypse does mean to reveal, unveil, to expose. And I think we've been exposed. Mm. And here's the thing is that I think it's a gift to us. I think God has promised that he will discipline his church. In the sovereignty of God, we have to accept that whatever things have taken place, God will use for our benefit and to, to extend his church and to, to refine us as he promised to do. And I think we will be refined. Um, uh, and in this time, we are being refined. But, um, but so it's, it's exposed our frailties and our weaknesses and our sins. And, you know, I wish I could say there's a lot about our strength. But in the last three years, it's been quite appalling to see the, the behavior of the church. So I think it's a big issue. But the one other thing I think that really um, has been exposed um, is our over-reliance on um, a gathered Sunday version expression of the church. Mm. I've often said I was living in New York City uh, prior to coming back to Australia, and uh, it was amazing how. Uh, so New York City is a challenging city for for America, particularly. It's more like the European context. Um, it's not quite like well, it's not like Dallas. It's, uh, um, and but it's amazing how the churches in New York City largely followed the same pattern as you might have done in a more church city like Dallas, which kind of exposed it that we have a tendency to think of the church planning as um, planting a Sunday worship service, or um, if you kind of have a certain other variety, it's planting a pulpit really, isn't it? It's like we don't think of church in a much bigger way. So one of the metaphors I like to use uh, is this idea of chess. If you want to uh, learn how to play chess. Can okay, I suggest to you, you take out your queen first. But what's going to happen, and your, your, your opponent will keep the queen, um, but what's going to happen is that your opponent's going to cream you for quite a long time, right? <laughs> because the, the queen is such an important piece. But what's going to happen for you is you're going to have to learn what the other chess pieces can do. And you'll begin to kind of see how you can actually maybe win chess without your queen. Once you've done that, you can put your queen back in. And, and, and guess what? You'll you really have become really proficient at chess. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, uh, that's a good metaphor for us because we have so over-relied on worship services, gatherings, as, um, as, uh, as, you know, as, our, as our queen, that we've not worked out how, what, what the rest of the church does. And now I think it's an opportunity to do that. Um, so, yes, I, I think it's, um, it's, a, it's a big learning moment for us. And that's just one of the things we're learning. Yeah, I heard you um, share that metaphor. I think it was like June of 2020 with one of our new thing gatherings. And it, it spoke to me pretty deeply. We shifted from, we had been a missional church plant that had missional communities. And all of a sudden that's all we were. We didn't have Sundays available to us. We were a pretty cautious community because of the number of medical providers. But when we were forced to shift into a micro church kind of setting, it transformed all of our rhythms towards discipleship and formation and mission from 
out of our households. And now that we've re-added Sundays, actually, it's a threat to all the good things that happened in that disciple-making space that was created by, by COVID. So I think, I think you're right on that. Well, that kind of takes me to where I want to dive into, which is what we saw with the broken cultural pieces of the church in COVID, I think revealed what a lot of people are calling the discipleship crisis where we are recognizing that the church does not look like Jesus, has not been discipled in the way of Jesus, doesn't see Jesus as our rabbi. A lot of times we see him as our, our Lord and our savior, but not the one who will teach us the way of the kingdom. Um, so I, I'd love for you to dive in, like what caused that along the way? And where do you see like opportunities for uh, discipleship? What was the solution to create the sort of discipleship culture that we're looking for? Well, oh, we, oh it's, a, it's a good question. Um, gee, what caused it? I mean, you can go back quite far. Um, but largely, I think it's the part of the problem is the very paradigm of the Christendom former church, which really was the church that arose, you know, in the around 300, well, 320 was when Constantine, of course, converted. And it changed the game of how we thought about ourselves. Um, churches, um, over time have become much more seeing themselves as much more place where, where Christians, people in Europe were born Christian because you were baptized into the faith, like it or not. Um, and there were very few alternatives. I mean, so the church really saw itself as much more a place of nurture for people who already are identifying as Christians. And so really it didn't have to do terribly much uh, other than run Sunday services and, and bring the sacraments because the sacraments were seen as the means of salvation. Well, I think it, it did. It, it created non-discipleship culture in the church. Um, really, the church didn't think about how you actually go about disciple making. And that's just been exacerbated in a, even in the, the mega church kind of approach, which is very entertainment based. And the danger, of course, with that is uh, if you what you win them with, you win them too. And the problem is it's built on non-discipleship. It's the assumption is, is that, you know, the reality is that that worship services do not produce disciples. There may be an aspect of discipleship, but it doesn't produce discipleship. It patently does not. And I think the crisis has demonstrated that. So uh, I think we, we our, our prevailing understandings of church probably are, are actually, I think, built on the assumption of non-discipleship. It's more on attendance and believing certain ideas rather than what it means to integrate uh, uh, and interpret the life of Jesus into my life and that he might live his life in and through me, which is really what discipleship might be about. Uh, so most churches suck at it. Um, they have no clarity on what a disciple is, and they don't have very clear understanding of how you might go about doing that, particularly in a way that can multiply uh, in, in a meaningful way. So it's a big problem, built up, but I think it's located it's, it's kind of rooted in an incorrect understanding of the church. For instance, let me just add this, you, you know, uh, is that we have often thought about the Great Commission uh, in church growth theory seen as mainly an evangelistic commission. But I, I, I invite people to just take another look at it again. It says, you know, Jesus is ascending to heaven. He's commissioning the church. And he sends them out and he says, go out into all the world and make, yes, disciples of the nations, mm -hmm. uh, teaching them to obey all that I might command. Yes, baptize them into the, the family of God, into the 
you know, in the name of the Trinity. But, but basically, it's not an evangelistic text. It's a disciple-making text. We've substituted evangelism, mere belief in certain sets of ideas, for discipleship, which is a process of becoming more and more like Jesus. And I think there, there's a good example of you know, where we've gone wrong. Yeah, we need to see our primary motivation as disciple making, and evangelism is located in disciple making, mm. and not not the other way around. Yeah, well, when you look at Jesus's ministry, his evangelism was just a, a starting point for this process, this multi-year process, where he said, "Hey, come and follow me," and instead of instead of starting there, we kind of end there. Come and follow Jesus, and then go. Okay, great. Uh, now show up on Sundays and it's, you don't have that next step. Where, where do you see who's, who's doing a great job and making disciple making movements? Who should we be learning from? Um, well, you know, we, it's, it's strange to even say this at the, you know, the 21st century after 20 years of Christian, 20 centuries of Christianity. Uh, it's something we've really, really not good at. Yes, there are some. Uh, in fact, you know, so we're seeing like, you know, um, you know, like like much as the Tampa Underground's doing well at the moment and demonstrating things, they're very good at disciple making and they're good at microchurch. And microchurches are much better because it's you're small enough to, you know, to care for each other and to name each other's names and 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 build a kind of viable process in it if it's carefully done. Um, so we're seeing that, you know, the underground movement generally, and there's quite a lot, you know, you know, Rob Wegner, of course, is doing a crack hot job of it. Um, you know, uh, um, up in the Northwest, I've always liked uh, uh, the work of Soma, um, you know, and, and Jeff uh, and, and what they, what they do now, they've got, a, I think, a different name of the organization, but they, they've built a lot of it on disciple making. Yes, saturate. Uh, yes, yeah, excuse me. Um, so, you know, we're seeing this change uh, now, but it's actually been a long journey of change. And of course, there are conferences now that focus on discipleship. So that's a very good thing. But we, it's like we're babes in the woods. We're learning again. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So and we have to then, of course, you know, do the unlearning of the kind of you know, church that we've, we've been involved in, you know, for a long time now. Yeah. Well, couple quick things before we head out second first is uh where do you see opportunities like where where are you where do you see openings for the kingdom to break through and break in to the life of the church and the life of the western world so yeah i mean related to some of the above i mean the the, the um should like the apocalyptic moment we're in um the revelatory moment gives us an opportunity not only to recognize our frailties and flaws, but also to recognize and to rethink the nature of the church and, um, and what our purpose is in the world. So we have to become more self-aware of, you know, of, of who we are and what we're on about. Um, you, know, you know that parable of the fish in the water, we saying like, we, we don't know who discovered water, but we're pretty darn sure it wasn't the fish. Mm -hmm. Well, this idea that we swim in this idea of the assumptions of church and we just swim in it until we become self-aware and you know and here we are now been made self-aware and we have an opportunity to correct our flaws and errors and change and i'm very big into this idea of metanoia the bible is too by the way jesus's first words and so john the baptist all them start with metanoia 
radical change of mind or paradigm shift. And I think that's really what's what's going on in our time. We've been challenged to metanoia at a corporate level. And it's a COVID, the COVID opportunity gives us a, uh, it, it's an opportunity to rethink church. I'll give you a story. And, you know, uh, I heard this Ghanaian pastor. Now, this, this guy leads a very large church in the UK. The largest churches in the United Kingdom are actually African immigrant churches. Uh, the Nigerians, the Ghanaians, et cetera, et cetera. They, I mean, they're very large, and some of them 30,000 member churches. And this is one of them. And, and uh, he's, he's saying his friends, uh, other senior pastors of these churches, um, were saying, oh, and the COVID, the church is closing, the church is closing. We couldn't gather, of course. Uh, and this guy said, no, 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 the church isn't closing. The church is opening up in thousands of other places. And I think he saw it. Mm -hmm. He saw that, that really what was perceived as a terrible threat to the prevailing understanding of church actually turned out to be a radical opportunity to think about the distributed network form of church as we send people into all those places. Yes, we have to learn to empower them and we need to train and, and, and organize that, uh, you know, as a movement. But it is a wonderful opportunity to rethink the church um, because it's not going back to normal. Um, quite clearly, um, I think Stetzer says we're about 38% of attendance um, now, 38% of what we were pre-COVID. So I don't think we're going back to normal. I think this is it. And we're going to have to rethink church a, on a fundamental level or continue to decline. Yeah, well, thank you so much for making some space for us today. Really appreciate you. Yeah, thanks, brother.